Hey guys, welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians broadcast. I'm your founder, ministry leader, Brandon Dawson. Now, by now, I am sure you guys have watched a million different videos out there concerning this upcoming April 8th solar eclipse, and I'm sure you guys have heard every single theory out there you possibly could uh, on what this eclipse can mean, everything from the catastrophic earthquakes on the Madrid fault line, the little Egypt references to the Aleph Tav and the Hebrew, lots of different various opinions and uh, things like that. However, I have got some uh, brand new major information to share with you guys that I believe you should know about. Uh, this information gives us a much more prophetic uh, context behind this eclipse. So I'm going to get into some prophetic timeline stuff into certain dates having to do with Pentecost. We're also going to take a look at Daniel's prophecy concerning the 70 weeks prophecy. And I'm also going to take a look at some... Now, there's a lot of really important context information for you guys that you absolutely need to know about in order to truly grasp um, all the different levels and depths about this eclipse. Now, there's not very many people out there that actually know uh, this information that I'm about to tell you, and they are not teaching it. Now, usually everybody quotes Genesis 1, 14 through 15 when talking about the eclipses. Most of us are already aware of this verse, but what most people don't tell you, what they don't know, is the actual Hebrew context, the Hebrew meaning behind that verse. Uh, and when you understand the context, it gives you a much more specific understanding of the prophecy behind this eclipse. Now, the English word for sign in Genesis 1.14 actually comes from the Hebrew Aramaic word, uth. Now, uth comes from the root word, uth, which uh, is strong concordance H225, which means to consent or to agree. Now, this word literally is where we get the act of covenant making in the Bible between two parties. Uth comprises three Hebrew letters, which are aleph, Vav and Tav. Now the Aleph symbolizes power and strength like an ox head. Vav signifies a tent peg denoting security or hooking. And the Tav represents cross sticks to mark or signal. Now when you put all those letters together, they actually evoke a very powerful image of a plowman guiding an ox harnessed to a plow aiming for a distant landmark on the horizon to maintain a straight furlough. Now, consent originates from the covenant making where two parties agree on a destination akin to an ox reaching a landmark when plowing. Now, a sign originates from covenant marking serving as a reminder for both parties. So when you put this word in its original Hebrew context in the verses of Genesis 1, 14 through 15, we understand that a sign uh, occurring in the eclipse, rather it to be the sun or the moon or uh, alignments dealing with the planets and constellations, is literally a reminder to both God and to mankind of his covenant made with Abraham. It was passed on to the Jewish people and later fulfilled and passed on to Christians 
who are engrafted or inherited into this covenant through Jesus. He was literally the representation of the Tav, the marking, or in other words, the ultimate sign of God's covenant. So when we see or read about God's covenant, we are literally dealing with God's word, his promises. And even more specifically, signs are literally a reminder concerning not just the Jewish people, but the covenant in which God made concerning the land of Israel. The land is literally another sign of God's covenant. So anything having to do with that land is ultimately dealing with the very hand of God, the blood, the covenant that was made and affirmed through Jesus. So now that you guys uh, understand the context behind where we get the word for sign, the Hebrew context behind that word in Genesis 1.14, we can understand a little bit more context into the sign itself. Now, we already know that there have been two eclipses, uh, first one which occurred on August 21st, 2017, and the second one which actually occurred October 14th, 2023, which was not a full eclipse. Actually, it was a partial eclipse, and then there's actually going to be a third eclipse occurring on April 8th of 2024. Now, most of you are already aware of this. You have watched all the videos. You know that when you overlay the path of totality of all, the, all three of these eclipses on a map, they intersect at various different parts in the nation. And when you compare them with the Hebrew letters, uh, we all know that you get Aleph and Tav, but you also get uh, a Vav. So you get Aleph, Tav, and Vav, which are the literal letters that sign out or spell the word for sign. It's the literal Hebrew word for sign. So we have a literal spelling of the word sign over the nation. Now, most of you guys are also aware that the Aleph, and, uh, that Aleph uh, is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, where the Tav is the last letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is symbolized the beginning and the end, uh, akin to God being the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. Now, the letter Tav holds very prominent significance in the Bible, and it occurs only twice in Scripture. In its most prominent appearance, it is found in Ezekiel chapter 9. Now, Ezekiel chapter 9 is where we get the verse uh, 1 Peter 4.17 from, which actually tells us that judgment must begin first in God's household. Now, in order to really grasp uh, what this sign actually is, uh, there's a whole other piece of context that we also have to understand, and we have to go back to where this pattern has occurred before in Scripture. And it's found, in again, in Ezekiel's chapter 9 and also chapter 21, uh, chapter 21 to chapter 9 uh, of Ezekiel. Now, in chapter 9, a command is given to Ezekiel to place a mark of protection. A, a, to place a tov uh, on the foreheads of all the men who grieved over the sins that were being committed in Jerusalem at the temple. This occurs at the first uh, Jewish temple, Solomon's temple. Now, this is the very context or the foundation uh, for the seal of protection that is placed over the 144,000 witnesses, uh, which are the 12,000 from each uh, 12 tribes of Israel. And this is also the context where we get the mark of the beast found in Revelation. So in Ezekiel chapter 21, the king of Babylon uh, 
is led to a literal tav or a sign in the road. And at the, it's at an intersection, which is made by the prophet Ezekiel. So when the king of Babylon shows up uh, to this intersection, to this tav, he has to choose either one, to bring destructions to the Ammonites at uh, Rabbah, or number two, to go the other way and bring destruction to Judah at Jerusalem. So what the king does is he uses uh, divination to decide which direction to go. So he takes uh, lots and draws lots, and he draws the lot to go to Jerusalem, which contradicts this uh, oath or this alliance that some of these Babylonian commanders had made with the leaders in Jerusalem, which brings a conviction of guilt uh, to those in Jerusalem and in Israel. So listen to, uh, this is what the Bible says. He says, For the king of Babylon will stop at the fork of the road, at the conjunction of the two roads, to seek an omen. He will cast lots with arrows. He will consult his idols. He will examine the liver. And to his right hand will come the lot for Jerusalem, where he is to set up battering rams to give the command to slaughter, to sound the battle cry, to sound battering rams against the gates, to build a ramp and erect siege works. It will seem like a false omen to those who have sworn allegiance to him, but he will remind them of their guilt and take them captive. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, Because you people have brought to mind your guilt by your open rebellion, revealing your sins in all that you do, because you have done this, you will be taken captive. So, in other words, this giant X, this giant Tav that is being painted over the nation, serves as a literal sign of the covenant a sign of reminder to both the Lord and the nations concerning his covenant and a sign of conviction, a sign of guilt for those who have betrayed the Lord, those who have betrayed the nation, and those who have been sold out and in rebellion, just like the context given in Ezekiel chapter 21. So now that we have some context, we understand that the sign and the word sign uh, here in Genesis 1.14, directly relates to God's covenant. We understand that the sign uh, serves as a reminder to both parties of this covenant. Uh, the sign also relates to the literal land of Israel, as the land is a material and physical representation of that covenant. And we also understand that uh, through the Tav, that this sign serves to bring us conviction to bring us a conviction of a wrongdoing that has occurred. So now we need to understand and reveal what that conviction is, what the act of wrongdoing was, the sin. Because God always gives us a chance to repent. God always reveals what the sin is. So there is always a message of hope. There's always a message of redemption. And there's always a message of consequence should the message be ignored and repentance does not happen. So what was the sin? Now, in biblical prophecy, the sun always symbolizes the Gentile nations, where the moon always symbolizes Israel and the Jewish people. This is why we actually have two calendar systems, one that is solar-based like the Gregorian calendar, which most of the world uses today, and the second one is the Hebrew-Jewish calendar, which is lunar-based, and it's where the timing of all the Jewish feasts and festivals occurring are determined by the positioning of the moon. This is why Genesis 1.14 tells us that the sun and moon are directly tied, uh, used to determine when the festivals and feasts occur. 
Now, since the eclipse uh, in 2017 occurred over America, the warning is to America and the Western Gentile nations. The eclipse that occurred in 2017, its very path of totality directly crosses over seven American cities, which are named Salem. Now, Salem was the Gentile word originally for the city of Jerusalem, until David actually conquered it uh, and renamed it to Jerusalem and set it as the capital of Israel. Now, the number seven symbolizes and it represents God's first original covenant, which is the Sabbath. This is the first law that was decreed over the land uh, where the Jews were to observe. This law concerns the land. The Jews were commanded to observe the Sabbath during the week, to rest from any work. And then there is also a Sabbath year, where the seventh year, uh, the Jews were commanded to allow the land to rest from all work for that entire year. And then uh, there is a Sabbath jubilee, which is uh, the 50th year, where not only the land rested from work, but on the 50th year, the land was restored to all the rightful owners. If they owned a debt that resulted in the land being taken, that, that debt was forgiven in the 50th year, uh, which the deed to that land was restored to that family or that person, or a blood relative could redeem it. So these two numbers, right, the number seven and the number 50, are extremely, very, very important to understand concerning this upcoming eclipse, which I'm going to explain uh, in more detail in just a moment. Now, this is very very important for you guys to understand this because this is the very foundation point on which the entire prophetic timeline is based upon. All biblical prophecies, when dealing with the land, when dealing with the end times, uh, or dealing with the seven-year tribulation period, uh, when dealing with anything having to deal with time or biblical prophecy, all of it, 100%, has to do with this very first covenant dealing with the sabbath because time again is having to do with both the sun and the moon right this is where it gets extremely deep so pay very close attention to this you're going to want to write this down take some notes uh mark it in your bible save this video do whatever you have to because uh you're definitely going to want to share this information you're going to want to know it because uh what i'm about to tell you is absolutely crucial what nobody nobody out there is even teaching this so first things first we've already talked about the significance of genesis 1 14 the purpose of the sun and the moon which is used uh, not just for light and day determining the day and night but also for signs we talked about the specific context behind that word revealing it having to do with the covenant in the land now we're going to get into even more specific prophetic uh, specifications concerning time with the sun and the moon, and specifically uh, this specific time in history, because absolutely nothing ever occurs by chance, by accident, or by coincidence. Now let me say that again. Absolutely nothing ever occurs by chance, by accident, or by coincidence. As the Bible tells us, Everything has its own specific appointed time, it has its own appointed season, and it has an appointed purpose. Again, everything has its own specific appointed time, an appointed season, and an appointed purpose. Now, number one, 
The number four in the Bible symbolizes time and transition. Why? Because God did not create the sun and the moon until the fourth day. That is right. That means that all plant life, all the sea life uh, were created before the sun and the moon came into existence. This is very important that you understand this. So all the light on the earth actually came from God himself and was the very existence of his grace until the fourth day. Now, number two, time did not exist until the fourth day of creation of the sun and the moon. If there's no sun or moon, then how do you distinguish between night and day? How do you know where one day uh, ends and where the other begins? How do you determine the seasons or the festivals without a sun or a moon? In addition, how do you determine the time of day without the sun? So the entire 24-hour system that we use today to determine the time, right? The very thing that gave creation to all the technology that we wear on our wrists or on our phones that controls when things occur and when they do not occur, uh, time did not come into existence until the fourth day, at least not as the time that we know it of as today. Now, number three, we are currently in the year 2024, or the Hebrew Jewish year for 5784. Now, the Hebrew letter for the number four is the letter Dalet, and it means and it symbolizes a door. Therefore, we are dealing, or what we are dealing with again, is time, specifically the prophetic timeline, and it symbolizes a transition period. Now, number four. From the year of 2017, when the first eclipse occurred, until the year 2024, with the second eclipse, uh, which will occur, there is seven years. The number seven again symbolizes God's covenant, his word. And the book of Daniel, because Israel disobeyed the Sabbath, where they did not allow for the land to rest, God decreed a judgment of captivity against Israel known as the 70 weeks prophecy. This prophecy says that a judgment of captivity will last over Israel for 70 sets of seven-year cycles because the Jewish Hebrew calendar operates in cycles of seven years. Now, this message is not a teaching about the 70 weeks prophecy uh, timeline in itself. However, if you do the math, right, and you figure it out, uh, and you'll know that it's only 490 years if you add it all up. Common sense is going to tell you that, well, it's been well over 490 years since the uh, beginning of Israel's captivity, which began with Babylon, right? We read about it in Ezekiel chapter 9. This is because within that prophecy, the 70 weeks a prophecy is given concerning the Messiah during the 69th week. Jesus came at the 69th week, and we have been living in a grace period where Jesus called it the time of the Gentiles. Now, only God knows when this time or this grace period is going to end. It will mark, um, at its end, it will mark the church's rapture, which will commence or begin the 70th week, or at least uh, the final seven-year period, known as the seven-year tribulation period. So remember, Genesis 1.14, the sign of the moon and the sun, is a reminder of God's covenant, dealing with both... Uh, the literal and physical land of Israel, dealing with the Jewish people, and dealing with the complete law, which is fulfilled by Jesus, who is 
the very word of God, the very in, in the very manifestation of that covenant. The creation of the sun and moon signifies the beginning of time and the beginning or the uh, the beginning or the creation of God's covenant when it started. Now here we go. I hope you guys are paying completely full attention because I'm about to put all of this together. Now, in 2017, the first eclipse occurs, and it passes over seven cities in America named Salem, the number seven representing God's covenant. Now, this was a warning to America concerning Jerusalem and Israel, and is also a warning to Israel concerning its covenant with God. Remember, the covenant, the sign, is a reminder of the covenant. Now, Joel chapter 3, 1 through 3 prophesies to us when and how the tribulation period will begin. Or in other words, when the final seven weeks will begin and it deals with the land, with God's covenant. In those days and at the time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. Now, there are a lot of different theories out there about when the Gog and Magog War actually occurs. Some people believe that this war will uh, begin prior to the tribulation period. Others believe that it will occur either in the middle or at the end of the tribulation period, uh, and that they believe that it is the same time as the Battle of Armageddon. Now, the biggest piece of evidence that we have about when this war uh, actually occurs is, in fact, the Third Jewish Temple, because, of According to Ezekiel, the third uh, Jewish temple is built right after Gog and the Gog and Magog War. So we also know that when the tribulation period begins, the third Jewish temple is built because of the sacrifices uh, and the Antichrist uh, halfway into the treaty sets up the abomination of desolation in the temple. So because of all that evidence, I firmly believe that the battle of Armageddon is not the same battle of the Gog and Magog War. They occur at two different time periods. The Valley of Jehoshaphat is where the battle of Gog and Magog will occur. This is the moment where the revelation of grace is given to Israel and where they repent and receive Jesus as their Messiah. This is the very context of Zechariah chapter 12, right, where God makes Jerusalem, right? He shifts the entire focus of the world to Jerusalem and makes it that immovable rock, the cup of trembling for all the nations who tried to move it and overtake it. Now, what happened after uh, 2017? Two major significant events happened, both of them having to deal with biblical prophecy, and one of them specifically is directly tied to Zechariah chapter 12 concerning Jerusalem. Now, number one, the United States, through President Trump, moved its embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, giving the global recognition and sovereignty of Jerusalem being the eternal Jewish capital of Israel on May 14, 2018, on Israel's 70th anniversary of independence, right, where they were reformed as a nation exactly as Zechariah prophesied would ignite the turmoil surrounding Jerusalem. Then, on January 28, 2020, the United States, led by President Donald Trump, 
put forward a peace plan initiative in favor of a two-state solution between Israel and the Palestinians that would have actually divided Jerusalem. It would have given 70% of Judea, or the West Bank, to the Palestinians for statehood. Now, immediately following that, the COVID-19 pandemic occurred, and the rest of the world was forcefully shut down March of 2020. Immediately following the plague, famine occurred and the stock market plummeted and plunged to its worst collapse since the Great Depression. Then after famine, civil unrest followed through the violent protests of the George Floyd, BLM, and Antifa protests representing the sword or civil unrest. Then after that, major war breaks out for the very first time in Europe since World War II, following a massive war breaking out in Israel on October 7th of 2023. Exactly one week or seven days later, right after the uh, Hamas attacks on Israel, the partial solar eclipse occurs over the United States on the Sabbath again, representing the number seven, symbolizing the covenant. So after you take a step back and you put it all in order, you have plague, famine, the sword, and conquest. Those are the very four exact signs of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but they are occurring backwards in their exact order. And all four of them are signs of judgment. So the 2017 eclipse symbolized a warning concerning God's covenant the land of Israel and Jerusalem. Now, fast forward exactly seven years later, we come to the the third eclipse occurring on April 8th, 2024. Again, the number seven symbolizes God's covenant. Pay very close attention because this is about to get extremely deep. Immediately following the solar eclipse that occurs on April 8th, On the very next day, on April 9th of 2024, occurs a Jewish holiday that many people do not know about. They don't even know that it even exists. On April 9th, 2024, it is known as Nisan 1. Nisan 1 is the commence the first Jewish month of the Jewish Hebrew calendar. Now, most people believe the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, uh, that occurs in the Jewish month of Tishri, which is usually around September, is what begins the Jewish Hebrew calendar. But it is not. It is actually uh, the month of Nisan. Now, Nisan 1 begins, the it commences the spring season and is technically the Jewish New Year and was traditionally celebrated in a festival called the Cedar El Tahid and is biblically recorded in the scripture text of Exodus 12, 1 through 20. So now if you count the days beginning uh, with Nisan 1, which is April 9, 2024, until uh, the evening of May 18th, right the day before Pentecost Sunday, you have exactly 40 days. So from Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday to Pentecost, you actually have 50 days because the Greek word for Pentecost means 50. Now, to clarify, this is the Christian church's timeline when the church celebrates Passover and Pentecost. 
This has a significant meaning compared to the Jewish festival timeline, which I'm going to explain in a moment. But Pentecost, again, it means 50, and it's the festival of counting out the number of days uh, right after Passover for 50 days. Now remember, the number 50 represents a jubilee, which again occurs at the 49th cycle in the Hebrew calendar, symbolizing God's covenant. Now, where in history has a 40 day countdown like this occurred, which coincided with a solar eclipse. It happened at the preaching of Jonah to Nineveh. Now, archaeological scholar David Wiseman actually documented through archaeological evidence that a solar eclipse did in fact occur over Nineveh, Assyria, which was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Now, Jonah preached to Nineveh to repent, or the city will be overthrown in 40 days. And because of the sign of the eclipse occurring, Nineveh believed in the message and they repented. Now, remember, the sun and the moon signifying the sign, the marking of the covenant between two parties. Nineveh's guilt was concerning the oppression against the Jewish people and scattering them from their homeland. Again, this goes back to Joel chapter 3, 1 through 3, the sign of the very beginning of the tribulation period known as the time of Jacob's trouble. All right, so here we go. I'm now going to put everything that I've talked about, going to put it all together and reveal what all of this means, what the message is. So the first eclipse occurring in August of 2017, it occurs, it crosses over seven cities named Salem in America. Again, Salem is the Gentile name for Jerusalem. So this is a sign we are dealing with a warning concerning the to a warning to the Gentiles concerning Jerusalem. So this isn't just a warning to America specifically concerning Jerusalem, but also specifically an even greater warning to the lukewarm churches in America. Because remember, 70 of the nation's top evangelical leaders, all represented uh, through the Trump Evangelical Advisory Board, they were all a part in America's decision to actually attempt to divide Jerusalem. This warning deals with the churches here in America. Now, after the churches attempt to divide Jerusalem, Partial judgment occurs over the nations through the form uh, through the form of the four judgments over the nation that we talked about, which results in a form of judgment manifesting through the political targeting of churches, which forces them to close their doors all across the nation during the pandemic. Now, this should have been a major wake-up call to the churches, realizing the grave sin that occurred. But it has not. The churches have been completely distracted by politics, um, completely forgetting that they nearly divided the land in direct confrontation of the warning in Joel chapter 3. So then the Lord gives America and the churches here in America, the Gentile churches, seven years of grace to repent, to acknowledge the wrongdoing, and to turn away from it, because the number seven is always the allotted time of God's divine timeline, representing His covenant. Remember, God's judgments always begin first in God's household. We now arrive to April 8th of 2024, 
where the path of totality of this particular eclipse now crosses over seven cities, but they are called Nineveh. So this is a direct reference to the message of repentance concerning God's covenant and to the Jewish people. So this is a warning to the Gentiles and the Gentile lukewarm churches to turn back to God or to be overthrown. Exactly 40 days from that eclipse, we now arrive to Pentecost. Not the Jewish Pentecost, but the Christian Pentecost, because again, this we are talking about the warning is directly to the Gentile churches. So this celebration takes on a much different form. And so this particular Pentecost, rather than it being, uh, becoming a sign of the church's liberation and the sign of freedom for the churches, it now becomes a marker and a warning sign to the churches of the potential coming of the end of the church age, the potential coming of the end of the time of Gentiles, and it now becomes the sign of Israel's potential coming liberation. So now remember how I showed you guys the number four. In the towards the beginning of this video, which symbolizes time, we talked about it through 5784 Jewish New Year and for 2024. How the four is the Dalet, the door, and how the number four is dealing with the sun and the moon. We are dealing with time in the prophetic timeline, representing the beginning and an end of uh, a transition period. So, if you now take and you overlay the paths of all three eclipses, we know we get the Tav, Aleph, and Vav. Now pay close attention to this. Vav is also the number, uh, also represents the number six in the Hebrew. It is the sign for man, because remember, man was created on the sixth day. This is also a direct re reference for the coming mark of the beast, which is 666, the rise of the lawless one, and the rise of the beast, the whole beast government system. Now, Pentecost is where the church officially began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So that is the Aleph. Uh, it represents the Aleph and also the Tav, signaling perhaps not only uh, marking the covenant, but perhaps marking the sign of judgment and redemption through Christ, uh, indicating that perhaps this very well could be the end of the church age, the end of the times of the Gentiles, uh, and the rise of the tribulation period. So we are getting into perhaps the possibilities of the rapture of the true remnant church, and also the coming war of Gog and Magog in the tribulation period. So we now get the warning again to the Gentile nations and the Gentile churches to repent now to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus wholeheartedly because the Messiah Jesus, the Aleph and Tom, is coming. Now, this may very well be the sign that also, again, marks the ending of the time of the Gentiles, the ending of the church age, that transition period from the church age into the time known as Jacob's trouble, the coming tribulation period. Now, most people, again, do not realize this, but judgment and salvation occur simultaneously. Both of them occur at the same time because and Jesus is both redemption and condemnation. Jesus became the judgment for our sins so that we could have salvation and forgiveness. Therefore, judgment will not only come for those who have completely rejected Christ, but remember Peter talks about it'll be worse for those who knew the way and then rejected it. 
and they walked away from it. So it is also for those who claim to have known Jesus, but have never truly known him. Now, the first eclipse warns of Jerusalem becoming the immovable rock, the object which sends the world in turmoil. The second eclipse, uh, the second eclipse, because of the message of repentance dealing with Nineveh, or is having to deal with judgments or uh, to repent, to turn away, or you will be overthrown. So what we are witnessing here is unprecedented and could very well again signal the arrival of the second coming of Jesus, the salvation and rapture of that specific remnant obedient church, the coming revelation of grace to Israel, the commencement of the seven-year tribulation period, and the final 70th week of Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy all could be fulfilled right around the corner. So guys, that's going to conclude this broadcast episode. If you have enjoyed this teaching, please, please, please subscribe to our channel and head over to our website where you can also subscribe there, receive all the updates on more great teachings just like this one. As always, guys, stay encouraged. Keep running your race. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Whatever you do, do not lose hope and never give up.